I would like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians, the uh, uh, 10th chapter, the 10th chapter. We've had some lessons lately on 1 Corinthians, but this one is a very important lesson to help us to cope with the uh, with sin and the temptation that we have of sin. Uh, beginning with the 10th chapter and uh, the uh, first verse. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But when many of them, but with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. That word means encouragement. That word includes hope. That word includes a better day than what they had when they disregarded this admonition. And upon whom the ends of the worlds are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And and that's sort of the theme I want to talk with you about. The twelfth and the thirteenth verse. There hath no temptation. This is really the thrust of my message. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. What hope? What hope that we have? I have mentioned to you before that First Corinthians, the tenth verse of the first chapter, that he pleaded with them to have the same mind and the same judgment. 
that there no be no divisions among them. And yet he knew good and well. He'd had two or at least three messages from them about all the problems and difficulties they were having. But the great thing that he wanted them to do was to be together and to be of one mind. And I emphasized before that he took four chapters, four chapters, to make sure that people not get sidetracked like they did following Barn, uh, following, following Apollos, Cephas, or Paul, or any of men, some of them even dividing and saying, I'm of Christ. He said, Christ didn't divide it. He said, I wasn't baptized for you. I wasn't crucified for you. But the message is in the crucifixion of Christ. Christ and him crucified is where the forgiveness lies. And you're called and you're sanctified and you're the righteousness of God and you're the wisdom of God and you're the sanctification of God and you are the redemption of God. And you are all baptized into one body. Now that is, is a wonderful message. And he was focusing on their being together. And they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of division. They had a lot of misunderstandings. In fact, this very chapter that we're studying, he goes into explaining the Lord's Supper and the communion that they have with the Lord and the communion that they're having with idols by tolerating some of the things and their affection toward idols. And he said, stop doing that. Stop doing that. And this is what he's saying here. So in order to understand the great message that he has to reach out and to get them to be one and to pull together and to exalt the Christ that's living in them, he goes back and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant brethren, and unmindful of your fathers, whom God looked down upon and blessed and called in order that you and I could be one now, and there could be one body and Christ could dwell in us. He took care of them. I want you to understand that they were all baptized in the, the sea and in cloud and they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea now what is the sea it's water what is the cloud it's water but what is the cloud well the cloud was that that stood before them as the presence of God in the daytime and the fire at night so they were baptized into Moses, but in the, in the presence of God. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And he even said that Christ was with them. Where was Christ? He was in the cloud. He was with them. It says he was the rock that followed them. 
Now, he said, you have the same problem that the fathers had. You need to understand that the heart of man's problem is recognizing the presence and the indwelling of your Creator. And we all have a sin problem. Everyone has a sin problem. And we need to understand that God is not pleased with the sin in us, but he gave us forgiveness that we might be able to communicate and walk and talk with him. So this is the reason why he admonishes them. He says, now, now don't commit fornication. You stop for committing fornication. And we don't read that in the original, but they were doing some things they shouldn't be doing. And some versions translated, stop doing these things. We knew they were practicing. It, it's not a secret that they were practicing, and he rebuked them and even told them to not fellowship and to put to death that old man of sin. And it was done. But he said, you stop doing these things. You can lust, but he said, you stop doing that. Because that is in the wrong way. You, there's idolatry among you because some are still observing the feast where they worship the idols and then they eat the meat and there's, there's not anything wrong with eating meat that's sacrificed to idols unless you cause somebody to stumble. And he said, just stop doing that. If this, and some people say, oh, the idol's not anything. Jesus is the one. That's true. But you stop letting it be the important thing in your mind. And he says, you, you need to understand that you, life, spiritual life can be taken just like it was back there. And Jesus took the lives of those people who sinned. And number nine says, don't, let us not tempt Christ. Let us not tempt Christ. Now, if it wasn't possible to tempt Christ, he wouldn't have said not to tempt Christ. It's something going on. Let us not tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by this church. Is it dangerous to do the things that's sinful? Yes, it is. You can destroy the very presence of Jesus within your heart and within your soul and within your mind. And he said even a little thing like murmuring. They murmured, and they were destroyed. And there are examples. There are examples. When we understand that we need to think like Christ thinks, act like Christ acts, be loving and forgiving like Christ, we'll understand that this is the great message. There has no temptation. Somebody said, well, it's just so hard. No, it isn't difficult. It isn't difficult if you understand the sequence. If you understand that there's no temptation but such as is common unto man. Every person has to deal with sin, whether it's thinking of the lust, whether it's thinking murmuring, whether it's complaining, whether it's uh, uh, 
whatever it is that he's mentioned here and might separate us from the real presence of Christ, there's nothing but such as just common to our human nature and our sinful nature. Now, what we need to understand is that since there's no temptation taken you but such as common to man, you have to understand God's faithfulness. And he says, I want you to get this, that God is faithful. He, he won't leave you, neither did he leave those people back there. Now, Psalm 78, you ought to go home and read it. You ought to read Psalm 78 because it just sweeps through the Old Testament and talks about the cloud at night and the pillar of full of fire at night and the cloud by day and he's taking them through the Red Sea and he's delivering them time after time after time. And Deuteronomy 32, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just a sweep of activities all the way through the history of Israel and God is just faithful to them. They just turned him away and they just worshipped idols and they just didn't act like they ought to. And he said, God, his presence is just hovering over you all the time. And that's the way he's trying to impress these Corinthians. And that's the message for us today. We just neglect him. We just fail to worship. We just put everything else before us. People say, oh, I was too busy. I can't come Sunday night. I can't come Wednesday. Where is Christ's presence? Where is his loving hand guiding you through the day? How important is he to you? Not very important. See, we're all human beings and we get away from Christ. Well, if you can't come at worship time, if it, if it just isn't neglect, if it's because you're so busy and you're so absorbed, well, that's okay. But you need to keep him with you wherever you are. And you need to understand that you don't act in such a way as to show that you can just see you're just negligent. You're just not teaching anybody the greatness of Christ and his presence and his church. See? We need to understand it's that devotion. And did you know in, in Nehemiah, the ninth chapter, it's the same as Psalm 78. It's the same as Deuteronomy 32. It gathers all the people after they have been through a bondage of people that have just made slaves out of them. And God just works the old rulers and and just brings his people back and pays the way and gets them all back in Jerusalem. And when they get there and old Ezra and Nehemiah and them, they gather all the people together and say, we're going to tell God how big sinners we are. God is faithful. God is faithful. There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And God will provide the way of escape if you just open your mind, open your heart, and ask him. Man has never done that. He's always made the sad mistake of just saying, oh, I can't. That doesn't apply to me. Oh, that's just church. Uh, that's just a procedure. No, it's God. It's the presence of the Almighty and the Creator wanting to invigorate and get inside of us and make life different because we depend upon his spiritual indwelling. We need to be devoted. They met together and for six hours, a fourth of a day, 
They read the scriptures. Nehemiah, when he gathered them together. For another fourth of a day, they prayed to God. He mentions this. God is faithful. He's been faithful after all of the falling away and coming back and taking you into bondage and bringing you back. He still takes you and cuddles you and helps you and understands. We need to restore the presence of God. God is faithful. If you think about that guy that was committing fornication living with his father's wife in chapter 5. Think about them going to law one with another in chapter 7, 8. Think about all the trouble they were having about understanding marriage in chapter 7. And you think about all the a problem worship they had with idols in, in the chapter there in 10 and all, and they were worshiping, and getting drunk at the Lord's table. Can you understand how much fussing and feuding there was? Because I could, I could have this gift, and, and you can have that one, but I'm sort of puffed up, and nobody doesn't know as much as I do. And he said, say, just wait a minute. Faith, love, faith, hope, and love is greater than any gifts. Don't get puffed up about gifts. And he closes the 15th chapter. He says, I want to tell you, the greatest thing that ever happened to man was the death of burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And he said, I came to you and I preached that. And many of you heard, believed, and were baptized. And then he goes ahead and devotes. How many people witnessed the resurrection? He said, Christ is still alive. He's still alive. He offers hope from the resurrection of the grave. And here in this, he's pleading with them. He won't allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide all, also the way of escape. How close are you? How many, how, how many hours? How many moments? How many times have you spent just talking to Jesus this week or last week now? Said, Jesus, I, I, I just have a hard time knowing that you're with me and in me. I just have a hard time because when, when this old challenge comes up and I, I hate somebody, I just hate them and I have to say that. And I get mad and I pout and I don't even communicate with people. How many times have you said, Jesus, I, I, I just, I'm not acting like you at all. I need help. I have a sin problem. And I know you came uh, to, to wash me and cleanse me in it. You know, in James, the first chapter, he said, no man needs to say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. He's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. God tempts no man. But he will not allow us to be tempted above that which we're able, but he will with the, with the occasion provide a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. Now, the old devil is here, and Peter said he goes about as a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. And he was present here, and he said, you just have to stop murmuring. You just have to stop getting drunk. You just have to stop fornicating. You just have to stop all of these things. You just can't be idle, and you just can't do those things. You stop that, and you 
appropriate the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on. While writing back to these brethren in, in the second chapter 5 and verse 17, he said, any man in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have been put away. All things are new in Christ. He's still driving it home. And I'll tell you, when Christ shines in our light and when we walk with him, he walks with us. And he helps us and he, he causes us to endure. And as he reaches back and touches the many times that man lost focus and lost his walk with God, God just opened up his his mercifulness and just reached out and got him and took care of him when he didn't even deserve it. And God will do it for us today. I want you to think about John, the first chapter. The last things that ever written in the New Testament was John's writings. First epistle. He said, we have fellowship with God. He said, in the beginning was God. In the beginning, Jesus existed with God. He created all things that have been created. Without him was not anything created that has been created. And he said, in him is life, and that life is the light of man. And he said, if we walk in the light, he is the light, the blood of his son just cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? If you believed in Christ, and if you've done like these Corinthians were told to do in, in, in the 12th chapter and 13th verse for one spirit where they're baptized in one body. And then in the Acts 18 and 8 said many Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. They went through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They demonstrated everything that had been done at the cross. And they, they took hold of it. And then he said, now if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of his son cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And if we confess our sins, we're faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we don't have sin, he says we're liars. And the truth is in us. You know, one of the great messages that we need to get is in John, the 10th chapter where Jesus is pictured as the, as the great shepherd. And uh, there's a lot of people who talk about this and say this is, teaches inter, e, e, uh, eternal security. Well, we have eternal security, but I, I just don't believe the, the Bible teaches that once a man is saved, he's always saved. If it did, this, this passage that I'm telling you today, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have written it. He wouldn't have said, take heed, ye that's, that stand, take heed lest ye fall. If you couldn't have fallen, he wouldn't have said you could have fallen. He wouldn't have written Hebrews, the 12th chapter, where it says, look carefully lest any man fall out of the grace of God, and thereby the many be defiled. Now, what is the question then? Well, in chapter 10... If you'll just read that, we're going to close right now. I just want you to read this with me because it is... A, it, it. In the 25th verse of the 10th chapter of John, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. Now, why are they not of the sheep? Because they're not believing. As I said unto you, my sheep, they listen to me. That word ear can be translated, listen. They listen to me, and they keep on listening. That's in the present tense. We keep on listening, and when we get off court, we keep on listening, and we keep on confessing our sins, and he keeps on forgiving us our sins. And I know them, and he keeps on knowing us. When? When we listen to him. What does he do if you don't listen? He says, a sermon on the mount, he said, he that heareth these things and doeth them not, <clears throat> I don't know him. He's like a man builds his house on sand. And not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, who is in the, I, he is the author of eternal salvation of them that obey him. It is a believing, obeying religion. Number 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice, and they, I know them on the, on the basis of what? When I listen, when we listen, and we understand. And then if we follow, and they follow me. What if you don't follow him? He says, ye workers of iniquity, depart from me, I never knew you. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, there'll be some over here that didn't do the thing, some over here that did do the thing. One that did the things, he said, I gave them a blessing into eternal life. Brethren, look at number 28. And I give, and that is a present tense. When do you give, Jesus? I give when they listen. I give when they know and interact with me. I'm a present God. I'm a spiritual God. I'll never forsake thee, but I want you to follow me. And when he does, look at number 28. You, I give to them eternal life. And when he gives to you eternal life and you appropriate that life, you will never perish. You'll never perish. Nobody will ever take you out of his hand. On what basis? On basis of you having a relationship with him. The Lord Jesus is your Savior. The Lord Jesus is your Creator. The Lord Jesus is the one who's more powerful. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The Lord Jesus has the answer to all the problems that we have. Don't ever turn loose of him. The Father has given us to him on the basis of our hearing and responding. Let him take heed. He that standeth, take heed, lest he fall. Now, where are you this morning? Are you walking in Jesus? He's, a, he, he's the Savior who, who is, has come to bless the world. He comes into the hearts and lives of those who confess him, who respond to his death, his burial, and his resurrection, who are washed in his blood, who let him give life to them. As Paul noted in that 10th chapter, he said, I, I want you to understand the pattern. When the people of Israel went out of bondage, they went into the Red Sea, and the Red Sea was congealed on either side, and God's presence was right with them. The cloud was up above. 
the water. This is immersion. They were baptized into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. When, when he said, go forward, they went forward. Now, when Paul is teaching the Roman brethren, he said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, how that we were all baptized into Jesus Christ. Or we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The old body was, was destroyed. The man of sin was completely crucified and done away with. You can't have it any clearer than that. That's what you call being born again. Being born again of the water and of the Spirit. That's the reason he could tell these Corinthians that they had been baptized into one body, and that body was the body of Christ. And when he started out with them, he said, many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. But what did they do that for? But then at the cross is, is where the price was paid. Your faith has to be in what Jesus did, not in what you do. But you claim him. And it doesn't stop there. You have to continue to take him with you. You have to continue to appropriate him. Paul said, it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live by in the flesh, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. That's a wonderful thing. You can have it today. You can have him today. Now don't leave this building without Christ. He'll go with you and, and he'll help you. And it's a battle that you can't fight alone. Temptation is of the devil. Temptation is of the prince of the air. It's really real. But he, know, he, he holds no life to the Son of God and to the person who lets the Son of God live within him. Satan has no effect on him. He's afraid. James said, you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He's a coward. He's an unbeliever. He'd like to take your faith away. But you challenge him with confessing Christ and claiming Christ and walking with him as we stand together and sing.